today on Ag News Daily. One of our early customers in the US, you know, somewhat proudly, but also, um, you know, despondently showed uh, our team the 25,000 pieces of paper that he is trying to, or he and his uh, farming team are trying to process each year. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday on the Ag News Daily Podcast. I'm Dawson Schmidt, joined by Ashton Carr. Ashton, how are you doing today? I'm doing really great today, Dawson. But I've got to say, I've been a little lazy this morning. I just haven't been feeling like up to doing anything. And I always hate those days because I try to be motivated and get a bunch of work done. And don't get me wrong, I've had a lot to do with the network. We have a couple of things that have been in the works and a couple of things that I've been working on, of course, but I just feel lazy today. Do you ever get that way? Yeah, there there is times where I get to be like that. It's just a matter of, you know, how much you got to do and how much you have to force yourself to do. And it, it kind of can come in spurts every now and then. I definitely feel that. And working at home, I feel doesn't make it any better. I think that that's why I get this way is because I'm just in my little desk and my bed is only like 15 feet away. My couch is just 15 feet away. So they're both just calling my name, but I've got to make myself sit down at my desk and get some work done. For sure. But anyways, trying to get some work done today, kind of going right into it here. But before we get into the news, uh, Egg News Daily is actually excited to announce a new partnership with Waypath AgriDigital. They're actually going to be in our interview today uh, for our Tech Tuesday as well. Absolutely, Dawson. And we're excited to share that piece of information with our listeners. It's been one that has been in the works. So I'm glad that we get to announce that. But some more news that we're excited to talk about today or that I'm actually excited to talk about today because it seems a little funny when we're talking about it because I am going to be talking about grasshoppers. And whenever I think about grasshoppers, I just think about the little mean grasshoppers from A Bug's Life, if you know what I mean, Dawson. I feel like that was a, a key movie whenever I was growing up. But honestly, if you're a producer, it isn't very comical because the Western U.S. is facing a drought dilemma and it's bringing on some grasshopper plagues, as some folks are calling it. In large swaths of Oregon, Montana, and Wyoming, as well as some areas of Idaho, Arizona, Colorado, Texas, and Nebraska, the native insects are appearing on the heels of a dry planting season. Grasshoppers and droughts go together pretty well, so the insects are having a heyday of sorts, no pun intended. Not seen by some growers since the mid-1980s, grasshoppers attack rangeland and crop fields. They chew through tender plants, leaves, and grain heads, and are a competitor for livestock forage on public lands where ranchers have no easy backup plans for the damaged food supply. Populations of 14 grasshoppers per square yard, totaling the weight of a sheep, become a problem, of course, and they can eat their body weight and forage each day, leading to a $900 million impact from a typical infestation. This year, populations are reaching 50 to 60 grasshoppers per square yard, so we're going from 14 to 50 to 60. That's a pretty significant number. Taking care of business this week, the USDA have been spraying in Montana to get rid of these grasshoppers. Conservationists are concerned about impacts to other insects in the treated area, but officials say their skip-a-swath approach protects slower-moving insects while targeting the far-traveling grasshoppers. 
Without killing nymphs, the outbreak will peak in roughly two months when the two to three inch long insects will be able to, to out eat cattle. They'll die out when they run out of forage and likely after they've laid next year's eggs. So this might even be a, a problem that we're seeing next year. And hopefully we won't have as bad as of a drought next year, although we can obviously not tell what that's going to be like, but it sounds like these grasshoppers are having a significant impact out West. For sure, Ashton, and that's definitely having an impact on crop conditions as well. And speaking of which, the USDA released their latest version of the crop progress report yesterday, showing a little bit of improvement, uh, not so much for different crops, but getting into it right here, corn was left at 65% in good to excellent condition compared to the same number last week. And then soybeans saw some improvement at 60% compared to 59% last week. And then spring wheat lost another 5% compared to losing I think a few percentage points the week before, but right now spring wheat is rated at 11% in good to excellent condition. Uh, winter wheat got a boost to their harvest at 73% completed compared to 59% last week. And it's actually on schedule for last year's harvest as well. Cotton conditions also saw some improvement with 60% of the crop in good to excellent condition compared to 50% last week. And then sorghum, also lost some ratings with the others going down to 68% in good to excellent condition versus 70% last week. There's a lot of different things going across the board. And really, we saw some rain reach last last week, and I kind of expected some conditions to improve from that for the areas that got it. But it's looking like, you know, this next week with a lot of hot and dry weather that would likely persist in a lot of these key growing areas that might further put stress on the crop going forward. Dawson, I'm glad you were keeping an eye out on that. But when we're talking about crop progress, I want to take things down to Brazil as recent bouts of mid-season frost are taking a bite out of Brazil's second crop, Safrina corn. Soybean and corn advisor president, Dr. Michael Cordonier says that temperatures in southern Brazil dipped below freezing three weeks ago, and it's expected to be even colder this week. It's the coldest that it's been in 20 years in some of these areas, and it's likely that we are going to see a decrease in the Brazilian safrina corn crop. And this analysis says that he's lowered his production outlook about 20 million tons to 88 million Cordonier tells Brownfield Ag News the Brazilian frost events are the equivalent of the U.S. Corn Belt experiencing three nights below freezing in mid-July. So it sounds like this weather is going to be pretty detrimental to Brazil. For sure, Ashton. And not only was it affecting corn crop, I saw something that it's also seeping into the coffee market as well as the sugar market. So it's not just, you know, one crop that's being effective. We're seeing, you know, more of a more supplies being, you know, affected by that frost as well. But kind of keeping in the continent, Argentina recently passed a law reducing biodiesel blend mandates by half. And now the South American nation will be exporting an additional 500,000 metric tons of soybean oil a year to the global markets. They said Argentina produces around 1 million tons a year of biodiesel to meet current, current fuel blending mandates, but half of that will still be needed for blending. And the other half will be shipped will just be shipped worldwide for exports, pretty much releasing more soybean oil into the market. So I don't know if we're going to see much of an effect go on with uh, prices, but that'll be something to look out for.
Well, Dawson, while we're talking about Argentina, I want to talk about Argentina's government urging citizens to limit water use in a bid to alleviate pressure on the Paraná River. Of course, that's a key area for grains to move in and out of when we're talking about imports and exports. It's at a 77-year low, which is a situation that is hampering shipments of cereals, including soy and wheat. So not only is this going to be detrimental for Argentina when we're talking about environmental issues such as wildfires and drought, but it's also going to be an issue when we're talking about trade at an international level because, like I said, that Paranal River is a, a key place for, you know, shipments of soy and wheat and other commodities to go in and out of. A government advisory group called on people to save water, store rainwater for irrigation, and avoid burning waste to prevent wildfires on the wetlands and around the River Delta. So I'm going to be keeping my eye out on that just to see if we do come across any wildfires in that area. Hopefully that is not going to happen, but also going to be looking at what this means from a market standpoint. For sure, Ashton. Well, kind of one last thing I'm watching here, moving back over to the U.S., we saw a lot of reports of the annual soybean cupping coming into uh, play here with this growing season. And a lot of fingers were being pointed at different companies, but this is not really related to to cupping necessarily, but just another herbicide that's also getting attention. So recently, the EPA is coming under fire as they recently registered an herbicide that supposedly violates the Endangered Species Act and should be a set aside. That's according to the Center for Food Safety and the Center for Biological Diversity, which alleged in their petition filed in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. Back in May, the EPA granted approval for BASF's trifludomoxazin. Uh, which is an active ingredient in the herbicide, in this herbicide, and the product is di- designed for weed control in corn, soybeans, and other in, in other crops, including like tree plantations. In their petition, the group said that they alleged that the EPA violated its duties under the Federal Insect, Fungicide, and Rodent and Rodenticide Act in, a, a pre- in approving the registration. And the registration actually lacks support and substantial evidence. The groups asked the court to set aside the registration uh, decision in whole or in part uh, one of the other one or the other, including in stopping the sale of the pesticide until it comes into farther review. So that's just a recent update on more stuff that's kind of seeping into, you know, environment groups and different groups that are fighting back against some herbicides that are going into the market. Well, Dawson, I am all out of news for today. Are you ready to hop into the markets? I say I am. Ashton, you said you're kind of looking for some commentary. There wasn't really too much as far as, you know, some some grains going up with the recent crop report. Uh, yesterday, we did see a major sell off in some areas with COVID concerns, but I think that was just kind of a scare. And so now we're getting to see maybe more green on the screen for today. You're right, Dawson. There is more green on the screen, especially when we're looking at grains here. So I'm just going to hop right into it with the corn contract. Starting out in September, 
up 15 and three quarter cents to close at 571 three and three quarters. The December up 13 and a half to close at 565 and three quarters. In the soybeans, the August contract up 15 and a half cents to close at 14.43 and a half. The September up 16 and a quarter cents to close at 13.99. The November up 15 and three quarter cents to close at 13.88 and a half. In wheat, the September contract up two and three quarter cents to close at seven dollars. The December up two and a half cents to close at seven oh eight and three quarter cents. In livestock, kicking things off in live cattle, right across the screen here, starting out in the August contract down. 47 and a half cents to close at 119.77 and a half. The October down 40 cents to close at 124.70. And the December down 70 cents to close at 130.42 and a half. In feeder cattle, same here as we're looking across the screen. The August contract down $1.85 to close at $155.52 and a half. The September down $127 and a half cents to close at $157.77 and a half. The October down $1.07 and a half cents to close at $159.77 and a half. In lean hogs, however, green as we're looking here in the August contract up $52 and a half cents to close at $105. The October up $1.65 to close at a $91 two and a half cents. The December up a dollar forty seven and a half to close at eighty four fifty two and a half. Ending things with our class three dairy milk futures. The July contract down three cents to close at 1666. The August down 39 cents to close at 1628. And the September down 42 cents to close at 1684. And with that, Dawson, I'm going to kick it over to a very special Tech Tuesday interview. Well, folks, for today's hashtag Tech Tuesday discussion, I am so happy to be joined today by Emma Weston, CEO and co-founder of Agri Digital, which is, yes, a new company that is one you may or may not have been familiar with. But Emma Weston is a name that for those of you that have been listening to the Agnes Daily Podcast for quite some time should be somewhat familiar with Emma as we've had you on. It's been, gosh, I think maybe two or three years, but welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be back, Delaney. Thanks for having me and hello to everyone again. So Emma, you are located in Australia, obviously, hence the accent. Let's get that out of the way now. But um, for those of our folks who are not familiar with you and your background, talk to us a little bit about what you do and what your company AgriDigital does. Give us the 10,000 foot view of where you are compared to last time we talked to you. Yep, sounds good, Delaney. So absolutely, I am an Aussie based in Sydney, Australia, although um, divide my time between our farm in kind of the, the central part of Eastern Australia. Um, and prior to COVID, which is, you know, a whole story in and unto itself, of course, um, had been in, in the US um, really working with a number of farmers and participants in the supply chain um, pre-launched to AgriDigital and our Waypath product for farmers in the US. So a little bit of background there is I'm an Aussie, but uh, with, with a lot of experience in the, in the US recently, which has been great. So AgriDigital is uh, a technology company that really is about powering trust in the grain supply chain. And we do that by 
taking inventory data and finance and putting that all into one really easy to use app for all participants across the supply chain in Australia. But we have launched with our Waypath app in the US, which is specifically for farmers. So it's an app that's built by farmers like myself and my two co-founders are farmers as well. For farmers, we really understand the pressures of managing inventory into the supply chain. And we have a deep belief that um, unless farmers are able to participate more fully post-farm gate in the supply chain, we're just not able to get that value and maximize our profitability. And so that's really what we're on a mission to do at AgriDigital and through our Waypath product. Well, let's dive into that a little bit deeper here, because as you mentioned, you're you're essentially trying to connect with farmers throughout different points of the supply chain. But talk to us a little bit more about how you develop this platform, the Waypath product platform to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it is Tech Tuesday. So, um, you know, we, we can get technical, right? Um, one of the areas that, you know, I'd noticed after a long time in the grain supply chain and, you know, my partners and I have around about 80 years experience across all aspects of the grain supply chain is that farmers had been increasingly adopting digital technologies on farm, but quite often that stopped at the point of harvest or at the farm gate. And so we are really looking at building that bridge between what has been grown in the field and been able to track and trace that all the way into the supply chain through to payment, as well as to give farmers options around how they sell and maximize the value of that grain and report that back to landlords if there are any. So it's a multifunctional product, Waypath, um, which covers all aspects of contracts, deliveries, invoices, payments, settlements, um, reporting, as I said, and of course, actually manages that inventory, whether it's stored on farm or stored in third party sites off farm. So the idea is to give the farmer full visibility, full transparency of their inventory and the best opportunity to maximize the value of that inventory. So that's what we've launched with in the US Delaney. Um, in Australia, we also offer finance to farmers and to grain buyers because we believe that apart from technology being uh, a barrier to growth, also access to working capital is quite often a barrier to growth for early stage participants in the supply chain. So being able to unlock the power of that inventory through finance is something that we're really excited about that we're doing in Australia and that we're going to be bringing to North America very soon. And let's talk about that here a little bit more in depth later on. But I want to go back to the Waypath platform here in the United States. You're entering into this market. You've already got a foothold in Australia, but it's just crazy to me that there are really not a lot of other platforms out there to essentially allow farmers to track on-farm storage, know how many bushels are in the bin, how many bushels they've got in commercial storage, but also doing some of the other components like tracking scale tickets, which seems so silly. But you know, you're going to the elevator, you get a physical ticket printed off. And I'm sure a lot of farmers have lost those tickets. Yeah, look, absolutely. And whether or not you're losing those tickets or you're just trying to manage the sheer volume of paperwork, Delaney, um, it's crazy. One of our early customers in the US, you know, somewhat proudly, but also, um, you know, despondently showed uh, our team the 25,000 pieces of paper that he is trying to, or he and his uh, farming team are trying to process each year. So, you know, we want to make that easier, replace um, a lot of that manual and paper-based uh, data with digital data that is then accessible to be able to be leveraged to create insights around how to manage that inventory and optimize the value of that inventory. So, you know, it begins with simple track and trace, 
um, from the field all the way into uh, the bins, whether on farm or off farm, but then obviously looking at how to grow the value of um, that inventory. So I think you're right. A lot of the the early stage uh, technology that came up was very much on-farm technology and very focused on optimizing inputs, for example, and the expense line of the of, of the PL, of the profit and loss. Well, we're really looking at, at, you know, how do we grow that revenue line and work with farmers to be, you know, fuller and more active participants in doing that. So, Emma, let's get a little more technical here. When a farmer logs into the Waypath platform after they've set themselves up, which is a mobile app as well as a web-based version that they can use as well, what does a farmer do from there as far as entering in different data points? How do they go about setting themselves up? Yeah, absolutely. So I should have said that earlier. It is a um, completely on-the-go app. So whether it's mobile, tablet, or your desktop, if it's easier to do that from the office, um, Waypath supports that and recognizes, you know, those different situations. It also supports team entry. So it's not just the farmer, but also the farmer's team um, can be permissioned in with different types of uh, security settings to, to manage those permissions and those actions. The farmer could be entering anything from um, a delivery, so it's simple information about a truck leaving the paddock from where it where it is going from to uh, where it is going to, and then being able to track that inventory uh, and the the weights and the grade of that inventory, but also then be able to manage that inventory from a data perspective to allocate that to a contract or to enter a contract if that is uh, not already in the system allocate that grain, optimize the value of that grain by getting selecting the right grade for the right contract and being able to importantly ensure that you're not over or under delivering and that you manage all of those deliveries through to payment in a really manageable way. And if you're connected with a cloud accounting system, then depending upon that accounting system, then the Waypath uh, inventory entries will be able to be going direct into that accounting system, saving a heap of time. Yeah. And I've honestly had a lot of time that I've gotten to spend uh, poking around on the Waypath platform. And it seems a little overwhelming at first, just because there are a lot of data points to enter in there. But I absolutely see the value in farmers being able to track all of this information in one convenient location. I know a lot of farmers that still write it down on pen and paper. So I'm excited to see how farmers here in the United States start to adopt this new technology. And I've got to give a full disclaimer here, Emma. My company, Trader PhD, is actually partnering with you guys. I'm really excited about this partnership to help you guys launch here into the United States market. But before we get to that, talk to us a little bit about what customers in Australia have said about using this Waypath platform and why that made you decide to launch into the US market. Look, the real reason that we launched into the U.S. market, Delaney, was that we actually had customers in the U.S. who were pulling us in there. So customers who had come onto the Waypath app found that it was really suitable for their operation, um, helped to simplify some of that complexity of, you know, on-farm inventory management, but also, um, you know, the ambition and the aspiration to get further into the supply chain to create more value for their farming business. So that was really the genesis of us um, coming to the U.S. And uh, it's always nice to come, you know, when customers are, are pulling you in. So, so that was a great basis. And, you know, what our U.S.-based customers and our Aussie customers say is that they love the, the really simple, you know, on-the-go nature of the app, um, it is very simple to um, enter that information in. Although there can look like there are a lot of data points, we've created really simple transactions like 
just copy one one delivery. So you can copy a lot of that um, essential information across to the next delivery to make it very simple. And we know that we've got to be able to beat paper and pen. We've got to be as convenient. In fact, we've got to be more convenient than paper and pen and more secure. And so, you know, that's really kind of the, the main aspects that, that farmers are loving. I think the the second point is just having that power over their inventory. So being able to see all of their inventory in one place, no matter where it's located, and then being able to plan out the way that they are going to sell that inventory into the supply chain. And that's where the, you know, the partnership with Trader PhD came, came in for us. It just seemed like a, a natural, uh, a natural fit for us to be able to provide transparency around inventory and then to power that um, with you know, a, a partner like Trader PhD, who really, you know, as I understand it, Delaney, you know, really wants to give farmers that actionable advice around marketing and selling their grain on the go. Well, we're telling them exactly what that grain is, and they can allow others across their team to be able to do that. So it's not just dependent upon the farmer to necessarily be able to make all of those decisions and all of those actions. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a very natural partnership on our end here at Trader PhD, just because it does give a lot of that power back to a farmer to have all the data points, have the commodity market information, as well as here's what I've actually got as far as physical bushels, either on farm or off farm in commercial storage, to know how to maximize my potential earnings for any given marketing year. So I think we're certainly super excited here on our end at Trader PhD. But um, as we wrap things up, here, Emma, you mentioned another component, which I wanted to touch on here briefly, and that was the finance component that you've got launched in Australia, but is something you haven't launched here in the United States, but maybe working on. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, look, I I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag, Um, but we certainly have entered the supply chain finance market in Australia through our own supply chain finance fund. So when we started AgriDigital, we always had the ambition to be able to combine technology and finance in a way that would empower our customers. And we realized that for a small to medium enterprise and small to medium business, these were two of the biggest barriers to being able to be really competitive in the supply chain. So the key component of what we're doing on the finance side is that we unlock the value of the commodity and our finance engine is a commodity-driven algorithm engine. So it really is just about knowing that commodity being able to value that commodity in real time, which Waypath can do, and then being able to access a percentage of the value of that commodity uh, just at the click of a button. So that's what we've got happening in Australia. Uh, as I said, we're doing that with grain farmers and grain buyers, and we're looking to bring that to the US as soon as we possibly can uh, because we've really had a lot of interest from our, our early adopter customers and just from the market generally um, around the, the idea that supply chain finance can actually be commodity-based, not credit-based. And it's so much quicker and more secure uh, to provide that finance as a result. Absolutely. And I think last question here, Emma, before I let you go, if we've got farmers that are listening that think, oh, I might want to test out this Waypath platform, uh, where can they go to find out more information and potentially start a free trial? Great question, Delaney. Well, it's really simple to find out more about Waypath. You can go direct to the AgriDigital website. So that's simply www.agridigital.io and you can click on Waypath to find out more as well as there are some great case studies on the website. So you can learn about how Waypath has been used by other farmers, um, potentially, you know, in your area. Or of course, you can call your local sales agent at Trader PhD who'll be able to help you with all the information about Waypath and get you set up with a free trial. 
Fantastic. Well, Emma, thank you again for joining today to chat on the podcast. We'll have to get an update here in a couple months and see how your U.S. launch goes. That would be awesome, Delaney. We shouldn't leave it to another two years, right? Absolutely. Thanks again, Emma. All right. Thanks, Delaney. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again there to the folks over at Awaypath for joining us for a Tech Tuesday. Delaney did that one, so I'm going to have to tune back in, but I'm very excited to learn more about Waypath, and I hope that our listeners are as well. But folks, we're going to be introducing a couple of interesting interviews this week that I'm pretty excited about. Tomorrow specifically, we're going to be talking to a Southwest Iowa farmer about how his crop is looking this summer. So folks, you'll have to tune into that at Ag News Daily com or wherever you get your podcasts. With that, Dawson, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.